My name is Lindy Miller. Um, my husband, Travis, and I have been attending Grand Point for about eight or nine years, um, and I get to share the scripture with you this morning. We're going to be reading from John 1, 1 through 9, and then chapter 8, verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Thank you, Lindy. My apologies for any volunteer who bunks out in the middle of the reading. We'll probably never get them back again. Thank you, Lindy. Uh, Penny and I had the privilege of being in a small group with Lindy and Travis uh, through Reengage. Absolutely delightful couple. Get to know them if you uh, get a chance. Hey, welcome into our uh, uh, service this morning. We're going to be talking today about the second I am statement from Jesus, uh, talking about the difference between light and darkness. And um, yeah, all right. So for those of you watching online today, stay with us for a moment. Camera people can't do anything about this right now, so just stay with us. But wow, it gets a little bit uncomfortable when it's dark, isn't it? Anybody uncomfortable out there? So a few of you have your phones on yet. Go, go ahead and turn those phones off. We want this really dark. So, okay, so we have identified our pickpocketers. They sit right over here in this section. <laughs> You can't see where I'm pointing, though, really, so it doesn't do any good. So if I, if I were to say to you now, point out someone to me that's wearing a blue shirt. Go ahead, point them out to me. I can't see anything I, at all. If you're doing that, I can't see it. So, so I thought this would be really fun, too. How about if on the count of three, we, like, all change seats, right? <laughs> don't, don't go yet. Don't go yet. But everybody in the balcony needs to come down to the floor. About 50 people down here go up there, Okay. Listen, I don't know if our insurance policy covers that kind of thing. Would kind of be interesting to see how that's written anyway. But um, so, so how many of you are, are just wish this, you know, ready for this illustration to be over? Go ahead and raise your hand. I, I can't see your hands anyway. Some of you are giving me inappropriate sign language right now. You got to stop that. Come on, we're in church. But so, so up on stage here, we have this uh, one little lamp. It's kind of a flimsy little lamp. When I turn this on, it begins to push back some of the darkness. I can now see a few of you in the front row. I still can't see in the back or can't see you in the balcony. But in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, Jesus describes the church as a lampstand. But I want you to see that this one little lampstand here is not pushing back all the darkness in this room. It's, it's helping. It's pushing back. But what I want you to do now is take out your phone, turn on the flashlight, on your phone, everybody, uh, if you get your phone with you, turn that on. Don't, don't shine it in anybody's face, but maybe just shine it up in the, look at this. You see what this is happening? Now, what you're seeing right now is a true representation of what the church should be like. 
It's not a single building out in the street corner somewhere, not one single little you know, group getting together, but it is every single member shining the light of Jesus Christ. And you know what? This has pushed back more darkness than that one little light on the lampstand did. So there's this room now we can see so much better. I, I, well, I can't see my stand up here, but I, I can actually see in the back. Now, now go ahead and uh, just turn the light off again, just, you know, as a kind of a response here. Turn that flashlight off. You can see now again the darkness kind of came back in. If there is any darkness in the world out there, or you sense any darkness coming, you know why, you know why it's happening? It's because the lights aren't shining. It's because the individual lights aren't shining. As soon as our individual lights go out, listen, it becomes dark again. If the light of the church uh, goes out, it becomes really, really, uh, really dark. There we go. Now, you can go ahead and turn the house lights back on again. I want this illustration to kind of show us the difference between darkness and light. I mean, it was a simple illustration, but hopefully you got the point. Right, darkness is is prevalent when the light's not shining. Light light just kind of pushes pushes the darkness right out. Now, I wanna I want you to know that all through the Bible, there's themes of light and darkness, and they're used to help us understand the way things are. See, the, these themes in the Bible are used to help us understand why the world is the way it is, why culture is the way it is, and sometimes even why our personal lives are going the way that they are because uh, everything, everything perhaps uh, in our world, our culture and our world can be defined, can be described by, or, or identified by human choice, whether we choose to live in the light or whether we choose to live in the darkness. See, and it's a choice that you and I make. We all had a choice whether to turn our light on or whether to turn it off. And it's exactly the choice that we make in our Christian life as well. I'm going to be try to, to be real brief with this, but it's important for you to understand the development of this theme throughout the scripture. So in, in Genesis chapter one, verse one, uh, it says, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. We kind of know that story, but right after he created the heavens and the earth, it says that darkness was over the face of the deep. So everything was dark. Now, in this theme of light and darkness all throughout the scripture, you need to know that darkness is always experienced first, and then comes the light. The very first words of God in the realm of special revelation show up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, when over all the darkness, he said, let there be light, and there was light, and that light was good. I believe there's a rich theological intentionality to the scriptures opening with a focus going from darkness to light. See, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 is not for you to try to understand scientifically how there could have been light without the luminary bodies. See, the sun was not yet created when God said, let there be light. There was just a light. So it is to learn, though, the theological rationale for light in the world. Second, God made light without the sun so that man would understand that all things that are derived in their life and preservation from God, apart from the means from which we're attempted to, attempted to attribute power and, and sustenance, there's something more than just what we can see and what we can explain. And third, I believe the reason that God made it like this, and probably most important to our consideration today, is that we are to understand that God is telling us something about the redemptive work that will occur after the fall of man. 
See, the redemptive work of God always moves from darkness to light. It doesn't begin with light and then goes to darkness. No, it begins with darkness and, and moves uh, to light. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Paul describes it this way. He says to all of us as believers, he says, For at one time you were darkness. All of us. At one time we were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This is the gospel, and we love the end of the gospel. We love the light part. We don't necessarily like the dark part uh, because it includes everything that we hate about ourselves. Everything that is described as darkness are the things that we don't like about ourselves. Even if we try to convince ourselves that we're not really that bad, we're pretty good people, we've got a lot going on in our lives, we can do this. The reality is that our original condition, condition as sinners is not really that good. See, sin is darkness. And all of us are, are, the Bible makes it very clear that all of us have sinned. There is none righteous, no, not, not one. Now, that's a brutal assessment, isn't it, to say that we were all kind of born into the darkness, but we have to own up to it because that is the reality. But the end of the gospel is that we are light in the Lord. Redemption moves from our darkness, taking us into the light. Now, fast forward to the very last book of the Bible. We saw in the very beginning, right, darkness was over the face of the deep. God said, let there be light without the sun without the luminary bodies. Now, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, after God makes all things new, which he will, that's what's going to happen. He says, behold, I make all things new. He says now in chapter 21, verse 23, the city, the new city, the heavenly city, has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. In the very beginning, there was light without the sun. At the very end, there's going to be light without the sun. So from Genesis to Revelation, the theme of darkness to light is revealed so that you and I might understand the significance of having Christ in our lives, the light of the world. He's got to illuminate us. He's got to shine in us. Otherwise, we just live in darkness. Now, a very interesting series of biblical theological allusions to light and darkness emerge in the Gospel of John. For those of you that are new, uh, we're in this series right now called I Am, and all of this comes from the Gospel of John. Jesus says seven different times, I am, and he gives these self-designations uh, about himself. In the Gospel of John, uh, Lindy already read a couple of the verses that are so significant in setting this up. In John chapter 1, verse 14, or the first 14 verses, the apostle John takes his readers from the pre-existence of Christ to through the creation of the world by Christ through the incarnation of Christ. It's that sequence there. But in between, he declares that all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. And then he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then John tells us in verse six, in him, was life. And this life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was this man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to bear, uh, he came as to, to bear witness of that light. Uh, he am not, his, was not that light himself, but that all might believe in him. And uh, then he says, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
So that's John chapter one. Now, if you go to John chapter three, the apostle picks back up on this metaphor of light and darkness. And he talks about this guy by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night, came under the cover of darkness, some of your translations will say. And after the incident with Nicodemus and uh, Jesus telling him what he must do to be saved and John 3.16 and all that, we come to verse 19. And Jesus says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Right? We get that, don't we? Because if we have something going on in our lives that's, that's ugly, that's not right, we try to cover it, keep it in the dark. We don't want that exposed at all. That's just natural for, for all of us. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. Right? But now verse 21 says, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. So you'll be able to see whether someone has the light of Christ in them, depending on, on, on their works. Now, in John chapter 8, which is our text for this morning, Jesus expressly declared what was already taught in chapters 1 and 3, when he says in verse 12, I am. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, you're not going to walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Let me give you some context for this verse. The context shows up in John chapter 7. Jesus is at this feast called the Feast of, of the Tabernacles, or some would say it's the Feast of the Booths. This was a Jewish festival that, that occurred on the fifth month uh, or the fifth day after Yom Kippur. In our calendars, it would be sometime mid-October. And this feast would last for seven or eight days, eight days. And uh, people would come from all over the place to this feast, and they would set up these little booths. It was like this big tent city, only, you know, it was like a campground, except instead of pitching tents, they would make these little booths out of leaves and branches, and it was to commemorate their journey to the promised land. Like when they were on this journey through the desert, they, they would do this. Now, they're realizing that they're delivered and they're in this deliverance phase and they come together to celebrate this deliverance every year at the Feast of, of Tabernacles. And there's music and there's dancing and there's food and there's lights and people from all over Palestine come. So there's a lot of people here. And Jesus is at this feast. And he's like, he's thinking, this is a good time for me to stand up and speak and uh, just introduce myself. So halfway through the feast, that's what he did. And he shared with them who he was and his mission to be the Messiah, the savior of the world. And I'm telling you, that little speech that Jesus gave got the Pharisees all jacked up. So the Pharisees are religious leaders, right? They're the ones who keep the law, right? They kind of work the system, and they're the religious people. And you go by the book, right, of the Pharisees. Well, Jesus wasn't doing that. He was, it was almost like he was introducing this new life and this new gospel. And there were some people that were very attractive to that. The common people were like, well, I like this guy. I love what he's saying. I love the fact that he's... He's a savior of the world, and they, they knew that what they meant, but the Pharisees obviously did not like that. So in chapter 7 ends with this big division among the people, primarily among the common people and the religious leaders. And so now John says in chapter 8, verse 12, it says again, which, which simply means that this is a continuation of or a next speech that Jesus is giving in some context. John does not tell us what the context is, though. 
Like, we don't know if this is another time that Jesus was in Jerusalem, or was this also, like, like when he was, was there at the close of the feast while still in the city? We're not quite sure. But, but here's the thing, and I, I'm not going to say one way or the other, but I believe it could fit very well with Jesus speaking right at the end of this feast. Because when Jesus spoke, he introduced the second of his I am statements by saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what happened at this feast, on the end of the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, there were these lamps that were lit. It was like this candelabra, the menorah it was called. And then on the very last day, those lights were extinguished. And so perhaps Jesus was there at when the lights were extinguished. And so perhaps Jesus was there at when the lights were extinguished and the feast was over and people were ready to go back to normal. Perhaps that when Jesus, that's when Jesus said, hey, this light is out, but my light remains. So I wonder, you know, was Jesus, I don't know if it was in this context, but I know what Jesus was doing. He was making this very bold statement saying, hearing about about the, the prophecy of this light that's coming, right? Isaiah talked a lot about the light that was coming. And, and Jesus now says, the light has come. I am the source of everlasting joy. I am the light by which we see all things. And I'm telling you, man, that sparked a hostile reaction from the Pharisees. You can read about this in John chapter 8, verses 13 on, and they begin this debate and argument with Jesus. Now, you might notice from chapter 7 to chapter 8, verse 12, I skipped over about 11 verses. And the 11 verses that I skipped over are a story that I want to share with you uh, because it illustrates very clearly what the light came to be and do. Now, this about its placement in Scripture and even about its timing relative to the very small print at the top of this section, this story or this text did not appear in the original manuscripts. Somewhere along the time of, of putting the Bible together, this story was interjected, but it shows up sometimes in different places. Now, in your Bibles, most of the translations that we have, it is John 8, verses 1 to 11. And I want to tell you this story because I believe it reveals the benefits of light. And I want you to watch this. The story tells is about a woman who was caught in adultery. In fact, in the very act of adultery. So in other words, there was no doubt about her guilt. She was guilty. Those who caught her were, knew she was guilty. And now those who caught her, which interestingly enough is the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they now bring her out into public before Jesus and the disciples. So now Jesus and the disciples know that she's guilty. So all eyes were on this, all eyes were on this woman and the Pharisees spoke words of condemnation to her. That's not what light is intended to do. Light is not about condemning. Yes, light does expose our deeds, but it does not condemn us. Rather, it helps us see our need for salvation. So benefit number one of light. Remember, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? The number one benefit of light coming into our lives is this. Light helps us to see ourselves as we really are. Ladies, don't you just love those like uh, 20 power magnifying cosmetic mirrors with the lights all around it, right? You, you look into that. See, see, light brings knowledge of our need. We'll just put it that way. So, 
Guys, you could look in the same mirror probably and find even a little bit more need. But, but see, light brings knowledge to our need. But that was not the concern for the scribes and the Pharisees, was it? They, they didn't really care about this woman and what she needed. They were using her as a pawn to trap Jesus. They wanted to trap him between law and love. Actually, they weren't concerned for the law either. Otherwise, they would have brought the guy in because it takes two for adultery, right? But so this was clearly a trap. So, so they knew that Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law, right? But they also, and, and you know what the law said about adultery? The law said about adultery that if you're caught in adultery, uh, stone the guilty parties. That was the penalty. Stone the guilty parties. Pretty harsh, isn't it? But that's what the law said. That's what you did. Bring them out, stone them to death. In fact, Jesus, but, but then Jesus, you know, said, I've come to fulfill the law. But Jesus also said that I am a friend to sinners. In fact, Jesus would one day die for this woman. But here these people are. They're holding stones in their hands already. The religious leaders, Pharisees, right? These guys who knew the law, they're holding stones in their hands already, ready to cast them at this woman. But Jesus, the light of the world, was there. And I want you to see what happens. Jesus said, he looks at all these accusers, and then he said to them, okay, whoever is without sin, you go ahead and cast the first stone. Now, I want you to see what happened because the light exposed their deeds exposed their deeds of darkness. And when they became aware of their sins, they dropped their rocks. And they walked away. So, yes, the light exposes our sins of adultery, whatever, you know, and that woman was certainly exposed. But it was the deeds of darkness within the Pharisees, right? Their own personal sins deep down in that the light exposed. And they knew that they were sinners, and so they couldn't condemn this woman anymore. You know what? We all have blind spots in our lives. They're called blind spots because we don't see them. We can't see them. We have blind spots. Like we don't, sometimes our, our attitudes, the, the way that we think, some actions that we do, things that we do, we just don't know that we do them until the light reveals it. And sometimes it's reading God's word that reveals our sin, reveals our blind spots and exposes us to the truth. Sometimes it's other people that God brings into our lives that, that just kind of uh, love us enough to point out what is wrong in us, right? That is a love, that is a gift of love, by the way. And, and so sometimes God uses other people also to reveal his light, to reveal, re reveal those blind spots. But Jesus is the light. Right, that helps us see who we really are and what our needs are. Never forget that. Number two, the benefit of light brings hope to the hopeless. Now, let me go back to this story. This woman was caught, caught in adultery, and there's no question at all about her guilt. She was guilty, and everyone knew it. Her guilt was clear, and so was the penalty. And for her, there was no hope. No hope at all, because the penalty was death. But remember, she's in the presence of Jesus, who is what? The light of the world, right? The light of the world. So after all the accusers dropped their rocks and walked away, Jesus said to this woman, woman, where are your accusers? She lifted her head, opened her eyes, looked around. To her amazement, they were gone. There was no one without sin to accuse her. Now, she appeared in a hopeless situation without a doubt. There was no hope for her, but whenever the light of the world is present, hope is also there. 
And the light of the world brings hope to the hopeless. There are no hopeless situations in Christ, and nothing can change that, not even death, which is why it says in John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of man. Number three, light brings direction to our path. So Jesus now asked this woman, uh, who is here to condemn you? She said, no one, sir. And then watch this, beautiful words of Jesus. He said, neither do I condemn you. Now, go. Go and sin no more. See, Christ just didn't come to deliver. He also came to direct. He'll deliver you from your sins, but he'll also direct you in the path now that you are to walk with him. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path. Man, you get into the word of God and it shows you where to go, shows you how to walk, shows you how to navigate life in this, in this crazy world. My guess is that everyone here in this room has made an attempt at one point or, or, or time in your life when you tried to walk through the house when it was dark, right? And sure enough, someone left a toy, 20-pound dumbbell, or a rocking chair right in the path that you were walking, right? And you hit that thing, you stubbed your toe, Bless the rest of your family and then collapsed in pain, right? Because it hurt. See, light is essential to see where you're going. I used to have a Ford Explorer and um, man, this thing was a thrill to drive because it had a faulty wiring system in the, in the lighting. So I'd be driving this thing and, and uh, in the middle of the night, pitch dark, 60, 70 mile, however fast I drove. And all of a sudden the lights would go out. I mean, completely dark. Not, not, you, you couldn't see a thing. First time, first time it happened, it was sheer panic. What did I do? And then I realized that all you had to do was touch that light switch and they came back on. So it was kind of fun. It was, a, it was a good experience after that. It was just an exciting trip. You never knew what was going to happen. You'll be glad to know I don't have that Explorer anymore. I'm not driving around in Franklin County with that. You're safe. But see, that was a very dangerous thing to do, wasn't it? But it's not as dangerous as you trying to live life without the light of Christ. You try to walk through this life without the light of Jesus Christ, I guarantee you, man, you're going to hit something. You're, you're going to have moments of sheer panic. You're going to come to places where, where you're going to crash and you're going to hurt yourself. It is way too dangerous to try to live life without the light of Christ in it. Light brings direction to our paths. I, I would say to you, man, don't ever get up in the morning and try to live your day before you get into the light of the word. Before you have a light that illuminates your path, I know all of you are in places where you have to make some big decisions at times, and you're like stuck. It's like a dark place. I don't know which way to go, right? Let the Word of God bring light. It directs your path. So so God does this in a mysterious way of just kind of working a peace and a, a, a promise like within you, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Number four, the fourth benefit is life drives out darkness, you, we, we saw that in our opening illustration when I turned on the one little lamp, it pushed back some darkness. You all lit up your, your lights, right? It pushed back more darkness. Then the house lights came on and all the darkness kind of was pushed away. Light drives out darkness. So after Jesus gave this woman a new direction, if, if you just go through the sequence of how your, your Bible is laid out, that's when the verse comes in verse 12 where Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And John says a little bit later in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is a message that we have heard from him and now proclaim to you that God is light. 
And in him, there's no darkness at all. I want to take the rest of our time together and just kind of drill this down to where you're sitting today. I just want to give you two scenarios. And uh, if, if you're in one of these, I, I just want to, I'll give you a heads up. There's some great news that's coming with this. But first scenario might be, are you walking trapped in some form of darkness right now? Like, I don't know, maybe it is adultery. Maybe, maybe you're like this woman. Maybe it's adultery. Maybe it's some other inappropriate relationship. Maybe you're trapped in a, a you know, drug, alcohol, substance abuse, or addiction. Maybe your darkness is fear, constant anxiety, anger issues, whatever it might be. All you know for sure is that when you look deep down into your soul, when you look at your life, it's very dark. There's dark spots. We, we talk about this. We use this language a lot. We talk about, yeah, that was a real dark period of time. That was a dark moment in life, whatever. I don't know. Maybe you're in one of those right now. I've got some really, really good news for you if you are. Because the one who is the light of the world has also uh, transferred that life or passed on that life of light onto everyone who will receive it. Every person who receives Christ receives the light of life. And when we receive it, it changes everything. It does. It pushes back the darkness. It brings direction to your path. And so that's the good news. Brings hope to your hopelessness. It helps you to see yourself as you really are. That's one scenario. The second scenario is this. You know, you know that you've been charged uh, as with being a light to the world around you. You know that your testimony and lifestyle, though, has been anything but light. Yeah, Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. But you also know he says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Like this city on a hill. And it cannot be hid if the light is shining. So, but, but here's the thing. You know, again, you know deep down in, in your own heart that you have not been that light that Christ commissioned you to be. In fact, you may even have been a contributor to the darkness. Again, I have some really good news for you. Jesus is ready to relight your candle. He's ready to recharge the batteries. He's ready to flip your switch back onto the on position. However you look at it, he wants to come to you with his forgiveness and grace, and he offers you once again an opportunity to be a light in a dark and a dying world. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and if you do not have the light of Jesus in your life, or if you've walked away from the light, you're kind of hanging in the shadows right now. I'm going to give you a chance to step back into that light as we pray together. But before we do that, let me tell you a story, a story about Rose, true story. Rose Crawford was blind for 50 years, 50 years. And then she had an operation out in Ontario at a hospital. And as the doctors lifted the bandages from her eyes, she explained, I can't believe it. For the first time in her life, she saw this dazzling and beautiful world of form and color greet her. She saw her husband for the very first time because now she could see. The amazing thing about her story was that 20 years of her blindness was unnecessary. She did not know about this technique, the surgical technique that had been developed 20 years ago. She didn't 
know anything about it. She didn't know that her vision could be restored at the age of 30. The doctor who performed this surgery and had talked to her and worked with her said she just figured there was nothing that could be done for her condition. Much of her life could have been different. But you know, there are many people today that are just choosing to live in the darkness. It's choosing to live in the darkness because they're figuring that nothing can be done to remove the shame and the hopelessness and the sin that just gnaws at their hearts. But I want you to know today, you don't have to live like that. You do not have to live in the darkness. No, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me. You know what that means? That means that we accept Jesus Christ into our lives. We follow him. We become his disciples. Right? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. We'll have the light of life. So what I'd like to do as we wrap this up this morning, I'd just like to pray with you. And then we're going to sing a song. And during the song today, I just want you to be able to respond. Whatever that looks like for you. The altar is always open, and we're going to ask, if anyone comes to the altar, someone will come and pray with you. We'll come and pray with you, and if, it is, if, if, you're, if your desire is to, man, just receive the light of Jesus Christ for the first time, open the doors of your heart, maybe just a little bit wider, maybe you even want to take the doors off the hinges, right, and just say, God, just fill me with light today. I don't know what dark moments that you're in right now. I don't know what the darkness is. But I know there's some darkness that just kind of works in our way because we live in a dark world, right? And the world gets in us. The world comes at us. Maybe it's a uncertain future about your medical condition. Maybe it's, you know, a, a certain sin that you just can't work through right now. Maybe it's a fear that you have. And you want to shine some light in on that today, the light of Christ. Just come. It's coming. We'll kneel with you. We'll pray with you. If you're uncomfortable coming forward, stay right where you are and just do it, you know, in, in your pew. But see, I want to invite you just to come and just experience the light today, maybe for the very first time. And maybe it's just to renew the light, rekindle the light that has now just been cast back into the shadows. So I want to pray with you. And then after my prayer, we're going to sing together. And I just invite you to come. Just remain seated as we pray. Let's pray together. Father God, I come to you right now, and I just want to thank you, first of all, for your incredible love and, and your amazing grace. But I also want to thank you today that you have come to be the light of the world. And I know it's the temptation of every single person in here, beginning with me, to just want to hide in the darkness, afraid of what the light might expose, afraid of what others might think afraid of what others might say. And yet you've offered us this tender warning, not a harsh threat, but a tender warning to not stay in the darkness and die in our sin. And God, I know, I know that we're not the ones who determine the date and the moment of our death. We may not have another day. So God, I pray that there would be no one in this room that would just turn and walk away into the darkness before they allow the light of Jesus Christ to illuminate their hearts and their lives. God, I pray if there's anyone in this room, anyone online right now that's being roused by your spirit, that they would not walk away like the accusers did in John chapter 8. 
but that rather we would turn and face Jesus, the light of the world, and say, here I am, here I am. Just remove the darkness, push back the darkness, dispel the darkness in my life, and just come in and be the light of my life. So in these next few moments, Lord Jesus, would your spirit just meet us right in this room? Could we feel the thickness of it? Could we feel the density of your spirit just speaking to our hearts right now? Not to the point where we feel crushed by it, but to the point where we want to be changed by it. God, change us today. Church, as we sing this song right now, if the Spirit's prompting you in any way to receive the light so that it reigns in you rather than darkness, feel free to come and allow us to pray with you as we simply embrace the goodness of God, the goodness of God who has come to be the light of the world. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.